0: When someone asks for feedback as to why they were not hired, please encourage your managers and everyone within hearing of my voice. Either don't do it or do it very judiciously after long, thoughtful considerations.
1: Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. Well, it's the end of December and the end of 2023. And returning to the podcast to talk about a few recent HR news items is my friend Julia Ganaway. Julia is a partner at the law firm of Ross Gannaway, where she counsels and represents public and private sector clients. Welcome back to Good Morning HR, Julia.
0: Thank you. Good morning, Mike. It's my privilege to be here with you.
1: And happy holidays. So yes,
0: of course. We're right
1: in the middle of them.
0: We are. I think you and I may be the only two people working.
1: I think that's probably about right, yeah. <laughs> and so we're recording this on Tuesday, and we're dropping this episode on Thursday, which means we currently don't know the outcome of the Texas Bowl. Yes. So A&M is meeting OSU, and I know you're a big Aggie, yes, so I what am. dare I even ask what your predictions are for the Texas Bowl, because well, by the time this drops, it'll be history, so yeah, we'll, everybody will know whether you're a you're you're president or not.
0: Yeah, well, I'm always going to pick with my heart. So it's going to be the Aggies, you know, right. um, just saying. So uh, that's uh, my heart and my hopes. So, yeah. And it's a good thing we didn't record afterwards because if it had been the other outcome, then you would have Miss Surly here before you. So uh, right now I'm optimistic and hopeful. So All good. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, best of luck to the to the Aggies, Thank I think. You, so. Thank you. And speaking of winners and losers, uh, it's been an interesting month for uh, companies before different regulatory agencies and courts, and we've got a few of those queued up to talk about. And uh, the first one, let's talk about Whole Foods. Uh, Back Way back in 2020, which seems like a lifetime ago, uh, they had an issue where uh, they told employees, hey, we've got a dress code. And you've got to comply with it. And that included no insignia or, or pens or things that supported, you know, had logos or supported outside causes. And a, uh, a group uh, across the country of uh, uh, Whole Foods employees uh, were wearing uh, BL, uh, Black Lives Matter related stuff, uh, masks and pens and things, uh, even writing on their shoes. And Whole Foods enforced their their dress code and told people you couldn't do that. Um, and so it went to first there's a Title Seven case in the first circuit, then there's an the NLRB case. So why don't will you just kinda go through what the arguments were on the uh the Title Seven case, you know, what would the, you know, how did that go? And then we can get into the more recent N L R B decision.
0: Well yeah, thank you for setting that background, Mike. I mean, because really what the the back the backstory that sets the backstory for what did result in the NLRB the case with the frith versus Whole Foods uh, marketing and of course that and its parent company Amazon as well and it was ultimately went through the district court and the the, the first circuit and and that was ultimately cited in 2022 but the racial allegation claims they were saying what the, the plaintiffs attempted to assert that this was um, racial discrimination because um, they had previously, um, Amazon and or Whole Foods had allowed individual expression of causes such as anti-discrimination against LGBTQ issues and other social issues had allowed some Speech and more importantly, corporate speech had been opposing discrimination and all of those things. So, what happened was after the uh, George Floyd protests came around, they started wearing the masks with the slogans about Black Lives Matter. And they said, um, Black Lives Matter is a statement against discrimination and racial discrimination, and we are going to, you know, oppose this and therefore. We want to. Um, we find that it's Title Seven. Just uh, it's, it's covered by Title Seven because it says the um, they they had a two they had a two count complaint against Whole Foods, and they said racial discrimination and retaliation, and they wanted to see class certification. Well, the court granted the trial court granted the motion to dismiss on the part of the defendants, because. The district court um, found that the plaintiffs, the uh, the plaintiffs did not assert and did not state that they were treating individual plaintiffs differently, regardless regardless of the person who wore the mask who made the statement. Um, all of them, regardless of race, were treated the same. I.e., it was a class wide. I mean, every employee was prohibited from wearing all things and then beginning to enforce the uh, dress code. So what happened was before that they didn't enforce the dress codes. They said, because they're enforcing, the, they started enforcing the, the dress code. That was racial because they think that Black Lives Matter was um, the uh, the reason. And they said, you know, the difference in race of the employees, because the plaintiffs themselves said that it didn't matter. Therefore, it's no race discrimination. Then you've got also retaliation. They said, you can't have a retaliation claim that says, you um, this enforcement action happened on a neutral, I mean, on a cross, across a uniform basis, the retaliation, you can't have a retaliation claim when they say ahead of time, we're gonna enforce the policies regardless of reasoning. And they start enforcing the policy. They can't say, oh, they're retaliating against me because of Black Lives Matter. They said, you can only really have retaliation if they uh, had the action after you had made the black lives matter statements
1: there were and there were employees who were protesting outside of the store about the policy and employees and customers uh and just the public uh in some locations uh and whole foods didn't do anything to really come down on that i mean it would be hard to prove you know Mm uh you know they didn't take any action against those employees based on uh on their protests or anything like that. They just made them follow the policy when they were at work. Right. So,
0: yeah. And, but- and just, and real quick, I, I think I was wanted to make a more cogent point, hopefully, that the issue is, is that they did not exactly, they did not, they did not take employment action against them for the protesting. What they did is they sent three home with three employees home without pay for wearing the mask. And they said, um, they said that, also to prove retaliation and discrimination, they the business they gave the business owner Whole Foods credit for having an obvious alternative explanation. And the obvious alternative explanation was what Amazon and, and Whole Foods wished to do was to have non-controversial topics at the forefront of their customer service situation. So the fact is they decided to take a Uh, uh, across the board approach to avoid controversial reasonings, regardless to whether it was not, you cannot infer or assume that it was obviously racial when in fact it was, we just want to have, we don't want to spark controversy and any other culture war with our company. We're here to sell groceries and deliver stuff. We're not here in, in that format. So instead we're avoiding controversy. We're not discriminating. And so that's why both Both um, the the trial court and the appellate court dismissed it because they found that they could not. Plaintiffs were just saying it, but there was no reason other than there's no proof other than just saying it that that there was any you know nexus with discrimination or discrimination intent, which sets the scene for the NLRB.
1: Right. So we get our you know our good friends at the NLRB who've. Yeah, you know, uh, especially with uh, their general counsel's office have have never found uh, a pro employee position that they weren't willing to take, and so so these folks uh, ended up with uh, talking to the National Labor Relations Board, saying this is a violation of seven, section seven, uh, you know our our ability to come together for mutual aid and comfort. And uh, they end up in front of an administrative law judge, which is the last place you ever want to be if you're an employer generally, and especially an administrative law judge, I believe, in San Francisco. I mean, that's the, that is the crazy last crazy. ALJ I want to ever be in front of, right? <laughs> if I'm an employer. So, so what happened there?
0: Well, yeah, what was interesting was the, the NLRB general counsel, who, of course, is appointed by the current president. Um, argued that the workers perceived, the workers' perception was that Whole Foods enforcement of the dress code was racist and therefore discriminatory. And then, so therefore, when they, their perception was that it was, their prohibition was discriminatory racist. So therefore, when they decided to wear the masks and have the different things affixed to themselves about Black Lives Matter, that they were, um, you know, they were defying, they were defying the corporate rule on, the prohibition of the no slogans, all of those things, that they still had the same policy was at issue. And I think it's important to note in the lawsuit and then, of course, in the NLRB action. And um, so and but the, the ALJ did, did did not agree with their assertions. I think what was interesting is as you, you, you got the thread, you know, when when the court said individually, those people can't prove um, or as a class can't prove racial discrimination or Title VII, they're like, oh, that's concerted action. Let's go back. And so you're exactly right with the National Labor Relations Act um, and about nat- uh, concerted activity. But what was important to notice, the ALJ said that Black Lives Matter, they could not show any link to the National Labor Relations Act and concerted activity because Black Lives Matter was unrelated to their work, right? They're right. in the business of groceries and deliveries, not... You know, and so they said that the acting in concert with one another, just because you're acting in concert, doesn't give you carte blanche to disobey reasonable rules. And an, uh, and they said it to disobey an otherwise valid rule. No, ma- nor Yeah, we could
1: all decide to wear Taylor Swift T-shirts to work one day mm-hmm. and the boss could tell us no. And it's not, you know, telling us no isn't related to how we do our job or what they pay us or the, or the terms and conditions of our employment. And and, and being a you know, Swifty is
0: not a protected class yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, the legislature uh, hasn't made yeah. being a Taylor Swifty uh, protected class, but yeah, yeah. no. Everybody's
1: I, allowed to have bad taste in music. <laughs> and so. <laughs> you know,
0: hey, yeah. he said it, everyone reviewing this, yeah. not me. I mean, I love me sometimes. Oh, t- if
1: I get canceled, it's not going to be for that. It'll be <laughs> worse out there.
0: i have just teased you. No, but what they said was, and they also noted, they said under these, Paul, under the, and, and of course, Section 8 is about their abilities under their contracts and their uh, collective bargaining. But they said, you know, the the collective bargaining agreement includes a grievance procedure. So the issue is, is that if you don't like something, you grieve it. You don't just decide to act in defiance and act in an insubordinate matter um, to to just blow off that rule. So that is why the judge, again, as you note, surprisingly, we could add our Texas mm-hmm. Um, observation to that surprisingly disallowed or rejected the general counsel's uh, argument. And they said, um, so they, they rejected that and said, that is not the appropriate use of the National Labor Relations Act in that, in that scenario.
1: And I thought it was interesting, the administrative law judge in, in, in his decision um, said, You know, wearing BLM material wasn't protected, but pointed out that protesting the company's dress code was protected. Mm -hmm. But again, Whole Foods was smart, right? They didn't retaliate for the protest part. So you can disagree with the company's policy and you can make that known and you can work together as a group of employees to protest that. Uh, And that's covered by the National Labor Relations Act, but... As soon, you know, but Whole Foods was smart. They didn't they didn't step on that. And and they're lucky. I mean, that's the thing is you think about, you know, the, how many stores they have and how many store managers they have and how many just in, in general in corporate America, how many kind of just unprepared managers there are for yeah. these kind of issues. And I could easily see a manager someplace, you know, retaliating against them, say, hey, we don't want you out in front of our store protesting. And so, you know, good job, I guess, to Whole Foods internal communications with their management and training. Uh, and probably as soon as this, this popped up at the first store, hopefully, you know, I would imagine that their legal counsel reached out to, uh, you know, their HR and their training people around the country and made sure everybody understood how to respond to this as it arises.
0: And they obviously took the lesson that was taught was to be taught in through the, the court case and applied it also to the National Labor Relations Act. So it was it was really a smart uh, move, communications and management wise, you know, from the very top on down, because they didn't just, they acted as an as an entity, not as an individual manager. They put their managers in a position to succeed and to not set them up for failure and, and rather help them to succeed in a dealing with that to make it not blow into a bigger deal than what it was, you know, I'll say, I, I, I believe that it's possible. Lots of things are possible, but you know, sometimes people are like, let's see if we can, you know, provoke a reaction.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: And they, and, and such reaction was not able to be provoked. So I thought that was good. I, I agree. Good. Two thumbs up all around.
1: And another thing that we've talked about on the podcast and, and especially in the last several months has come up is, How many companies are stepping away from taking up public causes Uh that aren't directly related to their business? I mean, Unilever's new CEO a few months ago just said, hey, we're not we're here to make money. That's our first priority. And and, uh, you know, environmental, social governance, ESG and all of that. That's all great, but our first job is to make money, and that's what where everybody's coming to work for. Yeah, and and more and more companies are are stepping away from that, and some of it's because uh, it's a distraction to to getting the job done. But also, a lot of them are realizing as soon as they start caving in to one employee group or another about some social cause, they've lost the battle for all the others. I mean, you know, it's the problem is is you can't. Uh, you know, as as soon as you start cherry picking, you're going to start inflaming everybody, and and saying, so, you know, we we agree, you know, uh, LGBTQ is fine, but this is not, and this and and why do you want to even create those headaches? You know, we're here to we're here to sell tomatoes and crackers, and uh, let's just sell tomatoes and crackers, and so. But on the flip side employers have that issue about retaining the employees that they want to retain. And they want to feel, you know, those employees want to feel like they belong to, you know, uh, you know, to the team and they're part of the, you know, the group and they're cared about and all that. So it's a thin line, but I think a lot of, especially after George, Flo- George Floyd's murder and, and on May 25th of 2020, a lot of employers felt a lot of pressure to jump both feet first into that, you know, social justice swimming pool. And, uh, and for some of them, it didn't work out so well and, and turned out to be a big distraction.
0: Well, and I think also, I think you've got to balance your need. Well, here's another thought. In 2020, when everyone oh, wanted right. to jump into some of those things, maybe people wanted to feel collectively together because it was during the isolation of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it that is also something I don't think can be ignored. But I do think that the idea of social, that the corporate it's interesting because a lot of the workforce now as we're learning the younger generations are coming out you know they care about so many things more than just money in their in their um you know growing up through that corporation you know they can Mm -hmm. jump ship and go somewhere else for better benefits but also for do they believe in the company they work for and that's actually why you see people moving now and so that's a cost that the employers have to deal with but you're exactly right. When you get, when a corporation as a whole jumps into a cause like that, then you've got some elements of society wanting to stoke culture wars, my words, mm-hmm. with that too. And, 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 a lot of people now are like, you know, what? we don't want to be divided. We want to be together. We're here to make money for our shareholders. That's what we're supposed to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll leave some of the other issues, you know, um, to, to other formats, not us and, and becoming basing, the, the social movements on content is, is, of course, it's forbidden. You can't do any of that stuff when you're government, right? You can't get into content based oh, yes. restrictions. But of course, if you've got the private sector, then you run into that challenge too. And it's, um, it is exactly a fine line.
1: And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you don't absolutely love your current background and drug screening partner, maybe 2024 is the year to explore your options. If so, please reach out to us. We're here for you at imperativeinfo.com. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit GoodMorningHR.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 128 and enter the keyword retaliation. That's R-E-T-A-L-I-A-T-I-O-N. And now back to my conversation with Julia Ganaway. So, we Whole Foods didn't get sucked into retaliation, but there was a DOL uh, case that just yes. came up dealing with retaliation, uh, an assisted living uh, company in Massachusetts, I believe. I can't remember what it was. Michigan. Uh, and Michigan. Okay, it's got a name in it. Yeah. And, um, and their owner uh, got in trouble, not apparently for the actual, as much of the DOL investigation as the retaliation piece. Tell, what happened there?
0: Well, um, I was, um, because this is primarily an audio content, I was screwed mm-hmm. up my face in uh, doing a slight disagreement. So I have to let the record reflect that. No, but- It won't um, be the first was, time. Oh, no. Yeah. I've just, uh, the the issue with this one was fascinating me on different, on many levels. The the way it came to our attention was business owner ordered to attend retalii- anti-retaliation training. And and that was in a consent decree that the business owner entered with um, with the Department of Labor wage and hour division. And what was in it. and so that that is part of it, but I wanted to, to touch on all of it because the whole process of this, it was Safe Haven Assisted Living Center of Hazlitt, Michigan, two Ts, not Hazlitt, Texas, two T's, Michigan, and the owner Tamisha Porter. And what happened, I think, is 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 notable for employers to take away overall, is the amount in controversy on this was $8,250 of unpaid wages. And of course, they doubled it for liquidated damages. So it was $16,500 that they owed, that the owner owed to the employees. Importantly also, in the consent decree, it specifies there was three employees there at issue, three employees. So the... um, employer injudiciously, according to the Department of Labor, ordered them or said, I'm going to fire you if you cooperate with the Department of Labor investigation. And that was a very bad action. They did not apparently punish her separately for that, though. So what the takeaway for, for that was is, it's I would suspect they the DOL doesn't always share with how they you know game tipped off to do an investigation but once the DOL is tipped off and is at your doorstep you have to remember as an employer that you never tell your employees not to cooperate you know you you make your employees available and remember you as a boss as an owner can only participate and sit in on things of supervisors employees you have no and that's for any federal investigation but the department of labor they get to talk to who they want to talk to right only if you're a supervisor do you have a right to have your attorney present. Um, I think what they, um, the, the amount in controversy is also scary because I would suspect strongly that Ms. Porter, if she retained counsel, which I would expect that she did at some level, paid a lot more to her lawyer than $16,500, and usually, also for employers, Make sure you check your insurance coverage, your errors and omissions coverage, because mostly those exclude Department of Labor, um, both judgments and coverage, because for Fair Labor Standards Act. So be very careful of that too. That's why one of the things that I focus on when I talk to people, they may be asking me about something else. And then I ask usually an unwelcome question, such as, are they exempt? Are they not exempt? how do you pay them? They're like, we didn't ask you that. And, you know, they, but it's only if it's a natural follower. I don't just stick my snout in there. But that's, that's the idea though, is, is to ensure that they're paid appropriately. And so she had to, she had opportunities to pay and everything. But what was interesting is part of the consent decree that, and a consent decree is something they agree to be entered into. So, um,
1: so she finally got smart. She finally settled it, but it, but only after, After she had doubled the cost of what it would have taken to fix it first.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And it says the defendant shall not request, solicit, suggest, coerce, or directly or indirectly any current or former employee to return or offer to return the defendant's or to someone else's someone else for the defendant's any money. So they felt the need to put that in there too. Like, I, you can't try to get this claw this back. Um, But they also made the uh, owner attend a training, at least an hour training. And all managers to assist uh, to attend training about prohibited conduct and protected activity under under the act and um, with trainers to be approved by them.
1: And at that point, they're just putting salt on the wound, though, because if they didn't learn it from this process, right, if if they didn't, you know, if if writing a $16,000 check didn't solve, didn't trainer, then, you know, that one hour of, of training, no matter how good the trainer is, is is not going to make a difference but um it's uh they at least are you know eh, but it reminds us the thing there is well let's train everybody goes back to what we said a minute ago have that manager training and make sure people know what to do when these you know uh whether it's a DOL DOL knocks on your door or uh or you know uh, immigration or whoever it is make sure you're you know, you know what you're doing and if you don't know what you're doing, don't do anything till you call counsel. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just wait a minute, right? Don't be like, Oh, come on in. Be like, um, hold up. Let me call my boss or something, right? Because, you know, sometimes They'll be like, oh, sure. What do you have questions for me? No, wait, no, no, no. Hold up, you know, pause. Um. Another thing is they, and another thing every employer needs to ensure that they do post those fact sheets. They had to specifically post the anti-retaliation information on this particular employer. That's part of the consent decree. But I mean, always, one of the things you always have to post the posters. I have I have clients now that'll be like, hey, that's really ugly. We're trying to make everything look pretty. So why do we want to put these ugly posters? Can't we put them on the web? No. But <laughs> it looks ugly. Doesn't matter. That's the whole point,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of the point, right? We yeah. want these Can posters it- to be big and ugly so people catch catch yeah. people's eyes.
0: Can we put it behind the door? No. Again, see, earlier answer. You know, um, please, please. You know, and, and, and that's an easy fix. And so, yeah, I mean, just... Do all of those things, but just be super mindful. I just always, whenever I see a deal, a Department of Labor wage and hour thing, I'm always like telling folks, it's like it is something so basic, but employees are always focused on how they're paid and when they're paid. Rightfully so, they're not doing this for free. Um, uh, so you know, make sure always double check your pay and and all of those things because yeah, they do it right. Yeah, they come a, a- call in. It's not because yeah. they love you, you know. So. well
1: and there we are that's there's uh, we've run out of time and we're at the end of 2024 and I just want to say thank you Julia for for joining me today.
0: Well can we talk about one more Mike I know oh sure sure yeah, sure sure. Maybe sure. we'll splice out some of my inarticulation at the <laughs> of stuff with the case because I just had a few quick takeaways. okay, each settlement. One.
1: Okay, the EEOC one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I I said, okay, said, let's said, talk about that one.
0: Really, I had some quick takeaways. I'll be, I'll be so, good.
1: Yeah. So, tell w- real quick what happened on that case.
0: Okay, it was a molecular diagnostics company that had um, referred their hiring to a train a hiring consultant, an outside person, and what they did was they ended up hiring a 41-year-old woman instead of a 49-year-old man the 49-year-old man sued and i want to tell you the facts and then here's my takeaways what happened was they hired again the recruiting consultant and it was a medical sales opening it was the area manager of a medical sales opening job now he had other experience but he said his salary expectations he had been making about 125 or 130, but he also said in the interview, these were the facts that were undisputed. Well, facts as in the plaintiff's case. Um, they said that he would accept 110 thousand dollars in that decision, in, in that for starting salary. The training recruiter wrote those notes down and also, you know, wrote um, that he was not interested in learning the details of the job that he was wanting to get his foot in the door with the management. So EEOC reviews his charge and accepts it. Now, what ultimately was also discovered in the lawsuit is that they pled was he, when he was not hired, said, I needed, oh, I'm so sorry. What's the follow up? Oh, we're still looking. We're not hiring you. He goes, oh, well. Can I get for? Can I have feedback as to why I wasn't selected? And the company said, well, you were found to be overqualified and that we were looking for someone more junior that could be trained in our product and stay for years to come. Oh. Well, yeah. After, there it is. There it is. After he scoops all that up, goes to the EEOC. Well, they like, they. They, in lightning speed, issue right. the uh, right to sue, pretty much, which they then sued. The EOC sued on behalf of him because the woman they ended up hiring a woman, um, and the EEOC said, well, they paid her more than than a hundred and ten thousand, but her salary was eighty seven thousand. They overlook that, though, of course, mm-hmm. in the in the grand scheme of things,
1: because this was a sales job too, right? Was a sales so it's going so, to be related to
0: productivity. Up yeah, I'm sorry, Mike, She, but she ended up bonusing way more than $110,000, which is what he said he would accept. But he said he would accept that as salary. I think that's a distinction. Also, though, the, the takeaways that I wanted to make sure and have with this is what they, they did not sue the company that did the recruiting. They sued only the company, and they found that the recruiting consultant was an agent of the employer. So many times employers blindly or not blindly, but they hire a a recruiting consultant thinking, oh, that person's got my back. But their decisions of the recruiting consultant and the recommendations the EEOC found were bound the employer and the employer's actions. So you always have to be careful about that. It's just, you can't just go, hey, someone else said it. And we just acted on that. That That was not a good defense in this case. But more importantly, When someone asks for feedback as to why they were not hired, please encourage your managers and everyone within hearing of my voice, either don't do it or do it very judiciously after long thoughtful considerations because someone more junior, that's code for age discrimination. And also remember, as we kind of talked a little bit earlier, we can be trained in the product and stay for years to come. Really, the kind of the, the 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 time that we have that people started at a company and retired fifty years later with a gold watch—that's kind of in our rearview mirror. People job hop, and that um, so that that was rather tone deaf in the the society mm-hmm. today. So you know the the biggest reason people get sued, employers get sued, is they give a reason, and the reason is a is a false reason right. or an additional reason that the employee wasn't given. And so that's going to look like a quote unquote pretext for discrimination. So just be so careful. If you decide to give feedback, make sure that that it's, it's you can always do it, but make sure it's accurate and make sure that everyone in your company or the higher ups get a chance to consider how, not only just how it can be understood, but how that reason could be misunderstood and used against you.
1: And it's interesting, and I don't know if you and, you and I have ever talked about it, but, you know, I I grew up in HR and was always told never give any feedback and blah, blah, blah. And I've always disagreed with that. And, but I, what I tell my clients is always if, you know, first of all, make sure your legitimate decisions are based on credible and legal reasons Objective and, reasons, yeah. you know, and, and you've really got, and you've built a, uh, you know, you've built a, pro- a process of, uh, of selecting employees that really does try to mitigate bias. And, and then if, because every one of our applicants we've ever had thought they were the most qualified person for that <laughs> job, you know, that's just the way it is. And, yeah. um, and they, you know, in the absence of an explanation people are going to default to wondering what unfair decision, what an unfair decision it was and what contributed to it. And the next thing you know, that's when they go talk to lawyers. Yeah. And uh, and especially if they're in a protected class, they're over 40. What's interesting here is both parties were over 40. Exactly. You know, but, you know, even that's inside that same away, class. Right. right. Yeah.
0: Like, oh, I hired uh, someone else, so I'm good.
1: Yeah. She was 41 and he was 49. But, um, but you know, that's when people – start thinking things weren't fair. And so if you, you know, if you've got, if you really know that your process is solid and that you, the decisions you made were, you know, legal and objective and and you've mitigated biases to the best of your ability, then give them some feedback. They've invested, the applicants have invested time with you. They've Mm -hmm. come in for interviews. They've taken off their current job. They've done all these things. I think that's, that goes more to building your company brand because that applicant may never apply again, but, and they may never mention your company to uh, their friends, but if they think they were treated unfairly, you can be damn sure they're Mm going to go talk to their friends about what a crappy company you are and how you don't, and they're going to remember that for 20 years. Oh, yeah. They won't remember the nice thing you said, Hey, we, we really did it. You know, we chose this, this other person. Here's what the difference, you know, they had more experience or blah, 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 whatever it was. Um, they never remember that stuff in, in six months. I don't remember why you chose somebody else, but they're going to remember the, 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 the negative, the the lack of, you know, what they thought was unfair, the lack of feedback. And so, but again, like you said, that only works if you've got a good system. If you think you've got a lot of knucklehead managers going around, making, you know, bad hiring decisions based on illegal, uh, especially illegal uh, factors, then tell them to keep their mouth shut and don't talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. But then turn around and try to fix your process because you're, you're losing good. If, if your managers are doing that, I promise you they're choosing the wrong people to start with. They're, 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 you know, they're letting their own biases get in the way. And
0: it's well, yeah, and that's, and I was just exactly. Cause in Texas, I get a lot of employers. That are like, well, Texas is an at will state. And it's like, that's
1: nobody true. understands but, that. Yeah,
0: But you always have a reason. You always have a reason. So if you have a reason, say it as long as it's not, a, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, if if you have a reason, say it because people will substitute their own reason. And if they feel like they've been treated unfairly, then they're going to look for look for some someone or something to support their perception of unfairness.
1: And you brought it up, but I think the other big takeaway is know who your recruiters are. Know who you're recruiting. You know, if you're using a recruiter to recruit a job and to do you know even just your initial pre screening, make sure they know what they're doing because I know I know a lot of amazing recruiters and I know a lot of people who are just salespeople. Yes. Who got into recruiting, and they they have to go both sell the sell, you know, to the employers that we're going to recruit for you, and then they're also often the same people doing the recruiting piece, and they don't have the background to really ask the right questions and not get you in trouble. And just this case proves, yes, you're on the hook if uh, if that employer, if that that recruiter who's not even your employee doesn't sit in your office does something knuckleheaded, you're going to be on the hook for it. So.
0: Yeah. And well, I just thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss. No, no, it's too, because I thought that one had, I always
1: good. want more Julia Gannaway <laughs> wisdom.
0: <laughs> well, I always, I always like to visit with you. And it seems that whenever I'm not recorded, I'm much more verbally, uh, cogent, but you know, whatever. Well,
1: usually when we're together, there may be adult beverages involved. I think yeah, we're right, probably right, a little bit. <laughs>
0: well, that just certainly it, it more, more, more information flows. I don't know if it's valid or helpful, but certainly more, uh, more there we go. info, so.
1: Well, thank um, you so much for joining me though, Julia. And uh, you were actually 99 episodes ago, I think it was, you were thing. on the show. So it's been 99 episodes uh, since then, and it's well, much ho- too long.
0: Hopefully I've improved, but I don't know. I mean, who knows? You know, but um, but I do appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and spend some time with you today. And
1: Always a good time. Best of luck. And thank you for listening today and throughout 2023. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at GoodMorningHR.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperatives Marketing Coordinator, Marianne Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I hope you've had a wonderful holiday season, and please have an enjoyable and safe New Year's holiday. I'll see you next year, and until then, be well. Do good and keep your chin up.